Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're good to go. All right, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics, uh, Wednesday edition. It's just Tyler and myself today as we are going to cover one, two, three, four, five, six, six Brewers games from the last week. We're going to go over our power pairs like every other week, and we're also going to talk the trade deadline since that was a hot topic for everybody. The thing about the trade deadline before we get into it is everybody was just searching for a name, and... This isn't Google, okay? This is Major League Baseball. And there are player profiles that fit into certain teams. And in my opinion, the Milwaukee Brewers did an absolutely great job for getting players that fit their profiles for cheap. I mean, one guy's literally free. Like, legitimately free. And I don't know about you, but I like free stuff. Every out he gets, we're free. Every time he walks and gets on first base, that was free, too. That was a double free. <laughs> so, for me, you know, I think Matt Arnold is doing a really, really good job. Uh, I did not want to see us go crazy and trade some of our top prospects, like a Tyler Black or, God forbid, uh, a Jackson Cheerio. Like, I didn't want to see that. Like, I, I don't think that we're one player away. Not right now, at least. Maybe in three, four years when Jackson's in – MVP conversations and Joey Weimer's on on pace for 40 home runs and Bryce Terang's going to win a Gold Glove. Like those are things that we could, we could talk about and those those are things that could definitely happen. Joey Weimer definitely That's has right. that potential. Bryce Terang definitely has that potential. Uh, Jackson Cherio is getting compared to the guy that's going to win the MVP this year in the NL. So to say that he won't be competing for an MVP in three years is absolutely ridiculous to me. I actually saw somebody say that they should trade him because you never know what prospects. Every once in a while you do. Okay let's call it what it is, right? And he is one of those guys that you absolutely know that this guy is going to at least be a star, maybe a superstar, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you take over here. Those are just my little quick thoughts on things that I've seen this week. So we can can break these down individually, but the thing that was at the top of my mind 
during the trade deadline, I'm going to start off with it, and I know you're going to love it, and it's going to resonate with you, and you're going to agree with it because mm-hmm. I'm super smart. <laughs> is Matt Arnold was asked about the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and what he said was that this being Matt Arnold's first trade deadline as the president of baseball operations, yep. he said, I'm going to be a responsible buyer. The moves that he made fit that bill that he is true to his word. So if you take away nothing else from this trade deadline, and you also add in the fact that he said, we are not trading Corbin Burns. He did not trade Corbin Burns. At the very, very least, what you can do is take away that Matt Arnold is a man of his word. That's true. Side note, before I continue on that, I need to get my girlfriend to say I'm going to be a responsible buyer at least five times before she walks into any store because that would be very nice. (laughs) On a real note, yeah. I mean, that he he's an honest guy, right? And like I said before, he didn't ship any of the top talent out, which, fine. I am absolutely on board with that. And what I want to say, too, is, you know, we, we made the, the post where uh, putting Mark Canna and Chris Bryant stats next to each other, and it sparked a giant debate that I did not think was going to come when I posted that, uh, you know, 125 comments later. And... The thing is, and people people can complain about it, but the fact is there are a lot of teams in the middle of the pack this year. There are. And basically all of them except for the Mets decided that they were going to try to go for it and try to leave that middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. So there were not a lot of options on the market. The Angels decided to become buyers. The Cubs decided to become buyers. I mean – the, the Rangers and the Astros were obviously competing for the NL West, and those are two really good teams. Um, I mean, the Mariners might be the only other team that really sold who were in positions to to compete with the middle of the pack. That's so fair. a lot of teams that were potentially going to have players on the market no longer have players on the market. So yeah. the, the trade market got a lot thinner towards the all-star break when a lot of teams kind of hovered around that 500 mark, even the Padres four games under 500 didn't sell off. But they have too much talent. They, they, ha- and they're paying too much money. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. The Mets like swallowed their pride a little bit. And we're like, listen, we made a mistake. They're like the sports adult version of like, listen, I fucked up <laughs> and they admitted it. Um, the thing about baseball is, We've talked about it before and we were joking last week and something happens and we just throw our hands up and go baseball. Baseball. Right. And that was kind of the theme of last week of baseball. Yep. And there's, there is so many teams in the middle of pack. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to joke about how the NL central is trash. NL central is trash. Well, to be honest with you, it's a three team race now. And I'm going to give respect to the, to the Cubs, even though they were playing some trash teams. Yeah. Um, we, we have a big, long stretch coming up here against the Cardinals, too. So so don't be surprised if the Brewers just run off a bunch of games against the Cardinals as well. And then everybody's the talking about too. Yeah. We play the Cubs five more times. We play them three more times in Wrigley, and we end the season with them two games at home. So everybody worrying about the Cubs and saying that we don't control our own destiny, we absolutely do. With 53 games left in the season, yes, the Brewers control their own destiny. 
to nobody's surprise, the same crowd that was freaking out on June 17th <laughs> is out in full force again. Oh, good we times. Let's comment here. Uh, baseball is a game of attrition, for goodness sakes. 162 games long, winning streaks, losing streaks. So, folks, stop whining. I could not have said it better myself. I'm, I'm going to show is... that comment on screen yeah, several times. Yeah, let's put it on there right now. Let's put it on there right now. Um, yeah, this is this is exactly everything that we've been trying to tell you. I don't know how many times Tyler has to back his goddamn chair up and stretch his long ass arms out for everybody to understand how long of a season this is. <laughs> like we've been yep. talking about the Brewers since fucking February, because that's when the goddamn yep. pitchers and catchers report. And we're gonna talk about them till October. Because the Brewers are going to be in it until then. Whether you yep. fucking like it or not. So And here's the thing. It's gonna be stressful that entire time. It is, and, and that's fine. That's fine. We're that's, in the hunt. That's, that's exciting. what makes that shit worth it. That, but but if we don't win a title, then it wasn't worth it. Fuck that, man. I'm having a great time. This shit hurt today. The yep. shit today that happened, it hurt. But you yeah. know what? The Brewers could run off six straight, and I'm gonna have a Great old time. It's going to be awesome. Would you – okay, let me just put this hypothetical to you while we're on the subject of today's game, and then we'll get back to the deadline. We'll get back on topic. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. let me just put this out to you. Would you rather be hurt and disappointed, frustrated, whatever, by today's outcome, or would you rather be that your team is in a position where shit like that doesn't surprise you? I mean, that's a no-brainer for me. You know me. Obviously, obviously, I mean, there's a stat. What is this? The A's, the the Rockies, and Washington, and we're one eight against them. And then you look against, you know, like the Padres and the Mets when you know when they were at full strength, and we have winning records versus those teams. Like we went six and one against the Mets, right? And and, and the Mets, the Mets were going for it when we were playing them. It wasn't like they were mailing it in already, so they so were going for it. We, yeah, we we went right into their house and we we beat them, right? I mean, the Astros smacked the Brewers in the mouth at the end of May, and then the Brewers buckled down and won the next two. Yeah, so we took two out of three from the Astros, and the Astros are one of the best teams in the major leagues. Yep. Whether you whether you hate them for stealing signs or not, that was five listen, years ago at this point. Listen, I don't think that it was cool, but the fact that it happened against the Dodgers makes me laugh a little bit. I won't lie. I will not lie. <laughs> I mean, if any team deserves it, them and the Yankees are pretty much at the top of the list, right? <laughs> but let's let's finish this deadline discussion, um, and and then we'll get into the games individually. Yeah. But let's start with let's start with Carlos Santana. He was the first guy acquired. Um, first of all, credit to you. You called Carlos Santana. Welcome to the. The Hall of Predicting Things Correctly. Um, Finally. Yeah. Uh, Good work by you. Um, So Carlos Santana was essentially traded for what was called a lottery ticket shortstop. He was an international signee last season. Mm -hmm. And listen, I I know there were some people that were mad. Like, why are we trading young prospects? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back to this when we get to another trade later, but the bottom line is the Brewers drafted three shortstops in 2023 and another one last year. 
So the Brewers have drafted four shortstops in the last two years. Like, yeah, they're they're trading from a position of depth, um, and literally their number th- or not. Sorry, this is the next guy, but um, like just prospects from positions that they drafted a ton of. Two of them being ones that the Brewers didn't think there were people didn't think the Brewers were going to sign. Yeah, um, being Cooper Pratt and Eric Batandi. Cooper Pratt, bro, dude. got them both. I know. Cooper, Cooper Pratt, Pratt, dude. I know. I'm already. I'm already excited. Dude, the, the six four shortstop bats yeah. left handed just smokes dingers. That's awesome. Yeah, he is so, him, uh, in my opinion. Really excited for Cooper Pratt. Um, thoughts on Carlos Santana? Well, when I originally was was making my list, I was like, bro, this is such a Brewers move. Switch hitter, plays first base. He plays good defense, and he's old. <laughs> so he's a rental. Uh, he's got that veteran experience. They were looking for that, looking for kind of a clubhouse leader kind of guy. He seems goofy, you know, after he hit his home run. Yep. When we get to that, he was kind of dancing in the dugout. Yep. Um, I, it just felt right. Uh, they, they, Like I said, teams have teams have players that fit their scheme, right? You could say mm-hmm. that with any sport. And he perfectly fit what they were looking for. He was built on defense. Plus, yep. you know, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, we, we were both we both agreed on the Brewers need more power. That was the one thing that they were missing. They, they're missing the power from Willie and Rowdy from last year. So Santana gave him a little power surge. So good defense, little power surge, switch hitter. He could play every single day. It was a no-brainer to me. Let me throw two more things in. Um, Santana bats 263 with runners on base yeah. and 280 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, and everybody's harping on him because he, he had a tough first week. Dude. That's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Ebbs and lows, right? Yeah. Ride the wave. Um, Brett said, I don't live there anymore since going into the military, but I grew up in Milwaukee, used to go to County Stadium and saw the Packers play there too. Packer, Brewer, and Buck fans are frankly spoiled. That is that is true to points. Um, definitely at times it shows that Wisconsin sports fans have been spoiled, and we, we are going to discuss that during Packers season all year, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And it's 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 trickled into the other teams. That's certainly true. Um, Taylor said you guys are big shots now. Hey, I mean, you know, 125 comments on a Facebook post feels pretty good. It does. <laughs> and and people arguing with other people on our post feels it's pretty good. It's good to have engagement. It really is because it yeah. gives us the opportunity to explain things. Really that's yeah. what it does. And hopefully it turns more eyes to the show is, is really the goal there. Um, Brett said all I have to say is if these fans – our season is over because of the last two series. I'll slap him Will Smith style. <laughs> a good game today, but Andrew made a mistake. I think this loss will light a fire under them. I love the trades we did and we'll need depth. Santana is giving them amazing glove, just like the guitar <laughs> and the relief help too. Um, and the Brewer commentator watches. Yes, that is, that is cool. Um, that was a cool experience. And I do actually have a couple tidbits from, from Vinny Rotino when we get into today's game, because I asked him about it. Mm-hmm. So next guy on the list is Mark Canna. Like Jake said, when he opened the show, this guy we essentially got for free. <laughs> the Brewers traded their number 30 prospect, Justin Jarvis, who in AAA had a 10-10 ERA and was sent down to AAA. As the Brewers' number 30 prospect, he slides in as the Mets' number 17 prospect. Yeah, what the hell is that? 
And the thing is, the Mets are paying his entire $11 million salary. I know. And then the other thing he's, we posted this, is his stats are quite similar to Chris Bryant. Who makes twenty eight million dollars? We got ours for free. I don't People know if I said that. Bringing up, oh, Chris Bryant's been injured. He only has two more hits in twenty five more games. And you know, WAR is a thing that's based on how many games he's played. I get that. Look at OPS plus. That where hundred is average. Canna's is one hundred two. Chris Bryant's is eighty six. Oh. So the two numbers that I keep coming back to is that OPS plus. And the salary. Yep. I there's there's no way that Chris Bryant's upside versus Mark Canna is worth twenty-eight million dollars. Not just this year, but the next three years. He's signed through twenty twenty-six on twenty-eight million dollars a year. People are complaining about Christian Yelich. Yeah. And that dude's batting what two eighty two? Two eighty six, I think. Two eighty six, even better. Yes. Um I love the side by side of Canna and Bryant. I it have hoping to open some eyes. I do too. Um, Brett said Chris Bryant is overrated. Don't know why people want him. We got two Bretts going back and forth. So I keep saying Brett said this, Brett said that. It's two Bretts. Brett, Brett S and Brett, Brett B. Yeah. Um, don't know why people want him. I'd rather have Mark with the bats and the defense. And I think part of it is Chris Bryant can play third base, which is yeah. which is valuable. Um, but I think it really boils down to name recognition. I already have opinions on, on the third base thing. Okay, now it's not going to hit as good after today because of what happened, but mm-hmm. Andrew Monasterio has been really good. What has he played, 45, 50 40. games? 40? Today was his 40th game. He's played 40 games. He's been really good in 40 games. There's a reason why I know exactly how many games he's played, and spoiler alert, he's my underrated performer. Okay, well, there it is. Um Monasterio's almost in 300. He's been playing very solid defense. He had the one bad game against the Cubs. And then after that, he's been really, really solid. Um, Tehran started that game because I remember he was giving up a lot of ground balls to third. But, you know, and then and then the play today, he made a mistake. He's a young kid. He's going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's the thing, you know, like you said about the Packers before. We're going to have to get used to that. Mm-hmm. We're all excited about football season, but I promise you these guys are going to run the wrong routes. Yep. Love is going to throw the ball late. Um, he's going to take a sack when he shouldn't. And we're just going to have to deal with those growing pains. And that's yeah. what we're going to go through with this team as well, with some of these young guys. Also, Ryan Anderson's on his way back. And I know not mm-hmm. everybody's a fan of his bat, but the guy plays defense. Like gold glove level. You put Santana out there, Terang, Freddie, and – Willie. And, yeah, and, and, then you, and then you have Brian Anderson at third. That is some elite. Yeah, that's good defense. stuff. I'm like seriously, that is some elite defense. Brian Brian Anderson has taken over the role of Colton Wong from last season, where his bat wasn't great, but his defense always was. But he's in a more valuable spot, in my opinion. Right, he's at the hot corner. He's in the hot corner. So, um, and we're still getting elite defense at second base too. Mm -hmm. And you know, spoiler alert: Bryce Trang's in one of our power pairs as well. So, um, he's been he's been hitting the ball much much better, uh, Mm -hmm. hitting the ball harder, seeing the ball a little bit better. I know he's been flying out a little bit, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, Brett S said we could call him BS if we want. <laughs> you want me to call you BS? <laughs> you definitely look like a guy uh, that gives a lot of it. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Taylor said he loves BA. Um, Brett said I'm not going to Brett B said I'm not going to lie. Bryant tore us up for a few years. 
Uh, he's been hurt, not a spring chicken anymore. And that's the thing. Like, uh, Mark Canna has gone after this season. He's got an option for next year, and the Brewers can handle that or a buyout. But yeah. it's still not anything close to $11 million, not even remotely close to $28 million. All right. Um, Brett S. said, that's why I don't know why people are so hard on Andrew. He's hitting 228 and over. Oh, Brian Anderson is hitting 228 and over, and he made mistakes. Uh, Andrew yeah. said, or he said, on Andrew, he's young. How can you bench his bat, though? He's hitting the ball and providing offense. And, and that's the thing is you'll be able to give him, you know, some time off. The more he plays every single day, the, the chances increase that he's going to make an error once in a while. He's literally a rookie. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of those, by the way. We really, really do. <laughs> um, I think we're up to, what, 55 players that have played on the Major League roster this year? And, it's gonna... and there's two months of the season to go. And we're going to add another pitcher to that. And there's another pitcher coming, yeah. <laughs> so, Okay. Uh, the other thing with Mark Canna, he does have a career-low 17.2 strikeout rate in 2023. So just more guys that put the ball in play. So I saw people complaining that uh, we didn't get a guy who's going to get the big hit and drive in runs. That's why I brought up Santana's batting average with runners in scoring position. And then Mark Canna, who's just another guy who's going to put the ball in play. Uh, which is just going to increase the chances of getting those hits and batting those runs in. One last thing on Canna. The Brewers are already tied for fourth in walk percentage, and now you add two guys that walk a lot. So okay. you, you're putting more people on base, and people are like, oh, we don't have somebody to hit them in. Listen, you put pitchers in stressful situations. We play good defense and pitch well on our end. We're just strengthening our strength at that point, to be completely right. honest with you. And – you put these guys towards the bottom of the order. We have the two guys that are carrying the offense and Contreras and Yelich, and we just allow them to to carry us. So right. more people on base, more big hits equals more runs. That's how it works. I don't and know. Why what I said too out. is eventually when you put so many guys in your lineup that get on base, eventually they're gonna run out of bases to put guys. I'm not going to explain a conversation I had with a coworker, but th- this guy knows baseball, right? He he, like literally lives baseball. And I'm just going to say one little sentence from our conversation today. He said, I'm surprised that the stadium's even half full with how dumb some fans are. <laughs> he said, some of them don't even understand what's going on half the time. Yeah. He knows well, baseball. Like he says stuff and I'm just like, whoa, hold on. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the can of Bryant post is, is a, a beginning of, of awareness on things. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor said the, our focus is to make the opponent pitcher make mistakes and put pressure on them. That is hundred uh, percent. And we've said that too. Like I know I brought it up with, with aggressive base running is putting pressure on defense. Mm-hmm. So next guy, I'm not a super big fan of this guy, partially because he pitched for the Cubs, uh, <laughs> but it's Andrew Chafin. Um, Traded for Peter Strzelecki, which is kind of a bummer because I think Strzelecki has has a good amount of stuff to offer. Um, He was also another guy who was a rookie. He pitched really well last season. He was my underrated performer pick for 2023 uh, when we did our Brewers primer back in in March. But we traded a young righty for a veteran lefty. He does have a 419 ERA in 2023, but – he had a 283 ERA in 2022 and a 183 ERA in 2021. Not a big strikeout guy, but does get a good amount of ground balls. Uh, basically, once Justin Wilson uh, had a different injury, that put him on the 15-day injured list. The Brewers needed to get another left-handed 
reliever to help mm-hmm. out Hobie Milner. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to say on Chafin slash Strzelecki? I, I'm not the biggest fan, like you said as well. It has nothing to do with the Cubs thing because whatever. There's 30 teams. You got to play for one of them, right? right. Um, I just hate that everybody says, this guy looks like he needs to play for the Brewers. Stop saying that. We don't look like that, okay? We don't all have ugly hair and ugly giant mustaches. Just, just stop with that. I, I don't like that. Um, also, I, I like the move schematically because, you know, like you said, you help out Hobie Milner. Um, there's a lot of lot of situations that you can use him in. Yep. Maybe Peguero and – I mean, I'm not going to say pineapples because that guy – I mean, he looked human this week for the first time in fucking literally months. Also a rookie. And people wanted to freak out. So whatever with that. And uh, people people just need to calm down. But maybe we can use him, you know, more schematically. We can use Hobie against a, a lefty in the sixth, and we can use Chasin, Chafin in the, in the seventh. I mean, we can, maybe we can use him in the ninth so Devin Williams doesn't have to always get every single person. I'm not sure, but – I don't think that's going to happen because you let not in a save situation, but you let Devin Williams take who he wants to save. But the the point is, we give ourselves more flexibility. We added depth at the end of the day, so right for sure. And when we did our trade targets, four out of my six guys were relievers because I wanted the Brewers to not have to rely on guys like Clayton Andrews, yeah, uh, and Benedict Souza. And, and J.C. Mejia, which, to his credit, has pitched pretty well over the last couple of weeks. If he had made more appearances, he might have been my power pitcher this week. I was considering him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can move on to the next one because it addresses Brett S.'s comment on Luis Urias. He said, I don't know why some people are so worked up about Urias. I love him, but he's been banged up and not doing well. It's only those fans that go to the game and get drunk because their baseball knowledge is unknown. Uh, he said, I love Chaffin. I think he'll provide good help. So... Moving to Luis Urias. Now, I liked Luis Urias. I defended him for a good while. He was really, really good in 2021. He played solid defense. He hit 23 home runs. The thing is, after he started dealing with injuries, that power was gone. Mm. And it was nice that he was a super utility guy and you could use him all over the infield, but that power never came back. Mm. And then dealt with another injury, and then the power really never came back. Uh, he's resurged a little bit in AAA, but at this point, it began to look like he could be a non-tender candidate this winter for the Brewers, which essentially means, had the Brewers not traded him before the deadline yesterday, that he could have basically walked for nothing in the winter. So the Brewers at least got something for him. They got a lottery ticket back. So people upset that the Brewers traded a lottery ticket for Carlos Santana. They also traded Luis Urias for a lottery ticket. So if you really want to look at it this way, the Brewers essentially traded Luis Urias for Carlos Santana. If you really, really want to look at it that way, look at it that way. That's fair. So Bradley Blaylock is a lottery ticket arm. He throws an upper 90s fastball and throws what Matt Arnold called a power curve. So fastball, curveball guy. Um, and the thing is that Luis Urias wasn't he wasn't going to get to the major league lineup over Andre Monasterio. Yeah. Okay. 
Is there anything you want to say on that trade? I don't hate the trade. Uh, again, I feel like we're getting kind of uh, jammed up in the infield. And I loved your point about how Urias hasn't had the power since 2021. So um, I 100% agree with everything you just said. I don't dislike Urias. I just hope that he has success in Boston, honestly. Yeah. I hope he gets healthy first and foremost. Right. For you don't sure. want people to just be dealing with an injury for two years. I mean, that right. gets ridiculous. So, right. And that's the thing, too. Like, I like Luis Urias. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Brewers, they drafted Robert Moore and Eric Brown last year. They drafted three shortstops this year. Like, uh, they drafted Brock Wilkin, who's raking in his first seven games uh, nice. in the Arizona League. So, I mean, the Brewers, they've drafted a lot of infielders the last couple of years. So, mm-hmm. essentially just trading a position of depth. Obviously, Tyler Black is an infielder. He's a first baseman, third baseman. Yeah. So, I mean, I really hope he makes the major league roster this year at some point. Wouldn't that be something? He has like 46, 47 steals now, right? Yeah. A first baseman with 47 steals. <laughs> God, I want him on the major league roster so bad. He so needs to be called up to triple A. He should have been called up to triple A a month ago. Yeah, him and Okay. And the last trade deadline deal uh, was a triple A swap between the Brewers and the Rays. Um, the Brewers traded Alec Jackson, Alex Jackson, a catcher, a guy that they've kind of had on and off the roster a couple times over the last couple of years. Um, Jefferson Quiro is a guy to keep an eye on now because if he can move from double A AA to triple A, he will be William Contreras' backup for the long term future. Um, the Brewers got Evan McKendry. He is a potential relief option to stash in AAA. He's got a 4.00 ERA, just kind of a, like I said, kind of a stash guy where if the Brewers need to have somebody they call up to help the bullpen, mm-hmm. he's going to be that guy. Um, oh, Brett, you need to go look into Tyler Black. He's he's him. I know he has 46 deals. He might have 47 at this point because I saw the 46. Yeah, he's in the 40s for stolen bases, and he plays third base and first base. Yeah, he had 46 last last week, I think, when I checked. I think he stole his 46. I know he had 40 like a month ago before the All-Star <laughs> break. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's fast. Uh, he hits for pretty good average. The Brewers just have a ton of, ton of speed and, a guy, and guys that just do not strike out. Yeah. Uh, we're, we are going to cause some fits in the next five years. People but seriously, when the show is done, go look up Tyler Black. He said, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm supposed to talk right now. <laughs> All right. What's up, Douglas? Douglas says, hey, guys, what's up? What so up, we are wrapping up talking about the trade deadline. Is there anything else you want to say on the five deals the Brewers made? Um, I'm glad we have, still have some smart fans left. That's all I got. Oh, why not Jack Black? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'll 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 let it slide right now. That's pretty good. That's solid. And definitely some BS out of your mouth. I knew that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's get into some games. We'll start with our with our power pair like we do. Yeah, and yeah. our underrated performers. Um so Jake, give me your power pair and your underrated performer from the road trip. Albeit a tough road trip, but yeah, baseball. baseball. Uh, William Contreras is my power hitter. He was nine of twenty-six this week. Two runs, five doubles, one home run, and seven RBI. He was slashing a three forty-six average, a three forty-six on base percentage, a six fifty-four slug. 
and a thousand OPS. So those are very, very solid numbers from him. My power pitcher was none other than Freddie Peralta. I always say mm. Freddie Slow. So if you're new to this, Brett B, uh, I always like to call him Willie Peralta. I don't know why. Shades of 2018. <laughs> Shades of 2018. <laughs> um, Freddie gave up, or he had 12 innings pitch, 10 hits, three earned runs, two walks, zero home runs. So that's a big thing for him this year, especially. And 20 strikeouts. He had a 1.00 whip, a 2.25 ERA, and 15.0 K per nine. So a very solid week from Freddie this week. And my underrated performer was none other than the Bryce is right, Bryce Terang. Seven for 19, four runs, one double, two RBIs, two walks, only two strikeouts. So he's seeing the ball a little bit better. He's making contact. That's that's the first step for these guys. And one stolen base. He was slashing 368 average, a 429 on base percentage, a 421 slug, and an 850 OPS. If he puts up anywhere near those numbers, and he's not going to hit 368. If he hits 268 with that defense, yep. stud. How many times did we say that from Bavaldo Orlando Arcia? If he hits just 250 with his defense. And you, Real quick before you get started. Of course Orlando Arcia is hitting in Atlanta's batting lineup. Who the fuck's not going to hit in that lineup, dude? You're getting every pitch you want in that lineup. Because they don't want to pitch to the actual good players. The thing that was funny to me about that is that it's like you wanted the Brewers to hold on to a guy who batted 220 for two more years. Right. Knowing that after that he became an all-star. Whatever. Um, Brett said, Brett B said, I used to be stationed in Gulfport, got to see Hader and some others. Man, if you still live there, the Shuckers have some guys this year. I'm going to try to get their media guy on this winter to talk about some of them. How do you not know how many steals Tyler Black has if you – he said used to. He doesn't say I am. I wish you lived there right to. now so you can know who Tyler Black is right now. You see him. I know. That's that's my goal of, of today's show is to get Brett B looking at <laughs> looking at uh, Tyler Black stats. He has yeah. if Terang has what two or three errors. He's Danny Automatic. He has one. Yeah, has one error. He just had it the other day, I think. Okay, uh, Douglas asked, "Why didn't we get Hater back?" To that point, uh, we didn't get Hater back because the Padres decided not to be sellers. Yep. They got close to close to 500, and they're like, "Nope, we're going to buy," and they kind of just stood pat. So we didn't get Hater back because the Padres weren't selling. Um, yeah, they didn't trade anybody. Interesting note on your Bryce Terang only struck out twice. That's going to be a theme with my power pitcher, or sorry, my power position player and my underrated performer. So my power position player, I went with Joey Weimer, another guy you know you're going to get great defense from him. Yep. And to to Brett S's comment that he's a rookie, Joey Weimer also a rookie. Joey Weimer is currently yeah. on, and he, yeah, true, true mullet power. Uh, Joey <laughs> Weimer currently on a seven game hitting streak. Uh, his at bats are looking much better. When we get into yes. last night's game, we're going to talk about his at bat. And in his last 19 plate appearances, only two strikeouts. Love it. Just make contact, man. My power pitcher, Brett S., another rookie. Uh, I w- it was tough finding some guys this week because a lot of guys kind of struggled. Um, but I, I settled on Abner Uribe. 
He made two appearances, pitched two innings. He did give up a run yesterday. The run scored on a ground out, so it's not like, you know, he gave up a, a solo home run or, you know, like loaded the bases full of walks and gave up, you know, a hit or anything like that. Um, gave up a hit, and he came around to score on a ground out. Um, and then he gave up three hits, one walk, had one strikeout, and he's fun to watch. He pumps the ball up to 100, 101 miles an hour, and then he throws sliders that are in the low 90s. Um, Douglas said so much brewery defense is a highlight reel itself. That is a hundred percent true. Lots of web gems this year from the Brewers defense. Um, it just doesn't always play perfectly. Can't expect mm-hmm. that in a 162 game season. True. And then my underrated performer, another rookie. So I got three rookies this week. Monasterio. He committed an error in today's game. That is his third error in 40 games. Man, that's a pretty good ratio. He's been an above-average defender. If you look at the stats, like not even just going by feelings, but if you look at things like range factor, he's been an above-average defender. And he had five hits, three walks, and another guy with only two strikeouts in his last 20 plate appearances. Before we move on, Brad, I have to ask how old you are, dude. Because it seems like people all around my dad's age have been saying that Weimer reminds him of Robin Young. You are not the first person to say that. Like I've I've honestly heard probably eight, nine people tell me that. So I mean that's crazy. If if we have another Robin Young, I mean sign me the fuck up right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start with start with the Braves series. Listen, this is this is the thing before we even get into the fact the Brewers got swept by the Braves. It's I not mean- a shock to us that the Braves are the best team in baseball. We've said it a bunch of times. And this is the thing, is that the Brewers are a good, not great baseball team. Mm-hmm. We we don't have any delusions about that. No. For as much as people say, you, you guys are just sunshines and rainbows because you look at optimism. So what? You can be optimistic and realistic. That those things can coexist and that's how we try to do this yeah so getting into the brave series um what stood out to you from game one brett said good not great teams win world series too that's true just get me a ticket to the show that is true um thing that stuck out to me is it kind of sucked that we played them so close together because mm-hmm. they already had the tape on the pitchers that we were running out there. You know, like we didn't we didn't really get a lot of time to adjust. And like that lineup, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but that lineup is literally one of the grossest things I've ever seen in my life. And gross in like a good way. They're gonna break the home run record. They are just absolute they are the definition of juggernaut. If they don't win the World Series this year, that would be a failure. I don't know who I commented that to, but oh, it was on uh, Stephen Watson on one of his posts, and mm. I said, I said, honest to God, if they don't win, it was after the the third loss, which okay. sucked. But I said, if they don't win the World Series, I will honest to God be shocked. There's like it doesn't even matter what the pitching is for them; it literally doesn't. Like they could run on a guy named Chauver Smith or whatever the hell that guy's name was, and they just win because all they do is just yoke home runs. They could score 10 runs a game against anybody. They literally just just drink like straight up eggs like Rocky Balboa in the morning before they just crank home runs all day. It's it's insane. Then they steal all the bases, like they get all the clutch hits. Like 
that team is loaded. But anyways, they had the number on Adrian Hauser, who had their number the Saturday before that, the Saturday prior. Um, But he went four innings, eight hits, two walks, six earned runs, and three Ks. And to be completely honest with you, (laughs) outside of the six runs, like the two walks and eight hits, not upset about that. They just so happened to, again, crank a couple homers over the wall, and that ballooned his earned run average. But newsflash, they literally fucking do that to everybody. Like, And it doesn't matter if you pitch the ball outside of the strike zone. It does not matter. Like, Austin Riley, just he's just like, all right, this is the pitch I'm going to hit a home run. And then he just does that. Oh, the, the, pitch is three, the pitch is three inches inside? Doesn't matter. That pitch, is, that pitch is two inches low and two inches outside? Doesn't matter. I just don't understand. They, they make zero sense to me, but... That lineup is disgusting. So let's point out some positives. Um, Hobie Milner was good in this one. One walk and one inning pitch, zero earned runs in 2K. So he had a very good one. Braves fans are going to hate you for that. Remember the years when they had the best record for year to year and won one World Series? But that was when they had pitching, though. They had had some hitting. But, dude, this lineup is literally the grossest thing I've ever seen in baseball. Yeah. And like they didn't have to like buy it like the Dodgers, like this was they made home. some they made some smart trades and locked some guys up before yeah. they got to free agency. Yeah, they did. They did like fantastic job. Credit to them. Credit to their front office for sure. Um, JC Mejia, like you said, he was he was pretty good this week uh, in this game, especially two innings, two hits, two walks, but zero earned runs, two Ks. So. The zero earned runs is really what it comes down to. We don't like walking people, but the zero earned runs is fantastic. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, uh, Joey Weimer, and Abraham Toro with four RBIs. He hit a late three-run homer in this one. This guy got his second homer of the year. He was called up this day, and he got a home run this day. So uh, good job by him. This was a loss, but it is what it is. So both teams went one, two, three in the first inning. Um Acuna did have a double, but he was picked off. So credit to Hauser for picking him off. Top of the second inning, Sal had a lead off. Sal Frelick had a lead off double. Andre Monasterio got a single. Toro had an RBI ground out, kind of a contact play, but the hit went to the left side. With the infielders back, Andre Monasterio got to second on the play, and the Brewers scored a run off of it. The Brewers tried this play twice the week before, and both of the hits went to uh, went to the left side of the infield, and the throw to home was an easy play to make. Yeah, they did it. They got the hit to I think it was the second baseman, and the run scored in this game. Um, Tyrone Taylor had a single that made the game two to nothing. Tyrone Taylor is very, very slowly starting to play a little bit better. He is. He hits the ball hard at least, and it's it's a slow progress, but it's still progress. So I will take it. And bottom line is, with the Brewers, the way they're constructed, it's going to be all hands on deck. Literally all hands on deck. Everybody that puts on the jersey is going to be needed to help win games. And if the Brewers do anything that makes the season feel successful, everybody will be able to say that they were a part of it, which I think is is cool and unique. So... Mm -hmm. Um, bottom of second, Atlanta, all with two outs, went single or sorry, went walk, double, single, tied the game at two, and then single, single, made it three, two. Um, 
just Atlanta just immediately responding. Um, Brett said to stay positive, we are the Braves pitching-wise, not enough bats. Certainly don't have Glavin, Maddox, Rocker, etc. I mean, we're going to have Woodruff back possibly as early as Sunday, which is a big deal. That is a big deal. Both teams at one, two, three in the third. Top of the fourth, Sal Fredick. Sal Fredick led off with another hit, had a leadoff single. Andre Monasterio drew a walk. Toro hit a single. Tyrone Taylor struck out. Bryce Durang popped up, and Weimer a double on a great rip to left center. Took the lead back for the Brewers, four to three. Bottom of the fourth, Ozuna hit a solo shot to tie the game at four. Bottom of the fifth, three singles, one of them scoring a run, and Hauser was done before recording an out. Uh, Hobie Milner came in. Gave up a flyout that allowed an inherited runner to score. Made the game 6-4 Braves. Um, top of the seventh, William Contreras got his second hit. That was 11 of 21 games to this point so far through July that he had uh, multiple hits. More than 50% of games had multiple hits. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, Brett said, so compared to NFL where they say defense wins championships, what is MLB? I would say pitching. And – just like they say in the NFL, defense travels, pitching travels. Pitching travels, yep. I have a... Yeah, you said that <laughs> like two years ago, dude. Hang on, he has to go through a 700 million things on his... <laughs> I have it somewhere. I have a thing that says it somewhere. I don't know where it is. Sorry. I have this, though. Oh, love it. I have a yeah, I have a plaque somewhere that says pitching travels. Um and yeah, I did say that. I I said that. It's it's a thing. Like it's you look at it and people complained about the Brewers, oh yeah, they have this guy. Why wouldn't they line up their pitching against against this team? Woodruff wasn't healthy. Wade Miley just came back today. And Corbin Burns had just pitched a couple days ahead. So the Brewers literally rolled out Adrian Hauser, Colin Ray, and Julio Tehran against the best team in baseball. Not – Well, spot to be in. Not ideal. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Like Jake said, you're at a point where um, you you just played them mm-hmm. and you don't have the, the ability to um, to set yourself up having just played them. Yeah. So, uh, bottom of seventh, Bryce Wilson gave up back-to-back home runs to start the seventh. Tough. Um, Riley and Olsen, two of the best home run hitters in the National League. Uh, Really just two of the best home run hitters in Major League Baseball. Uh, Following that, a single and a double. Wilson was done before getting it out in the seventh. Mejia gave up a single. Both inherited runners scored. That made it 10 to 4. Um, top of the eighth, Sal Frelick had another leadoff uh, on base. He drew a walk. Monasterio, another single. Abraham Toro cut the lead in half to 10 7. And then the top of the ninth, Brewers went 1 2 3. Yelich's hit eight game hit streak was ended. Um, but like you said, the, the middle part of the order, so I'm looking at the 4 5 6 spot in the order, which was Sal Freelich, Andre Monasterio, and Abraham Toro. Those three went seven for 11 with two walks, five RBI, and seven runs scored. Pretty damn good. That is that is awesome. That's three rookies you're talking about right there. Mm-hmm. 
Rookie week. Yeah, so the Brewers did go one and five, but man, the rookies played fucking good this week. Yeah, this is uh I would like to call this year kind of like the Badgers football is gonna go through in a different, more exciting way. And what the Packers are gonna go through. This is this is a stepping stone year for the Brewers in, I, in a lot of ways. A lot that. of ways. Yeah, I am I am with that. A stepping stone year. I like that. Um so Brett said we have Burns, Woodruff, and Freddie. I reckon that's a good start. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of all-stars. That's pretty good. You got you got some of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball right there. Yeah. And then Wade Miley has been pretty good with, with the pitch clock. Wade Miley is so different than those three. So, like, he fits in so good. And to be honest with you, I do like Colin Ray. I feel like Colin Ray is a little bit – he's more of a gamer than, than people give him credit for. Colin Ray is one of those guys, and I think Adrian Hauser is one of these guys too, where people complain about him when he doesn't have a start where you don't hear about him. But he's so he's we we talk about this. This is something we talk about in football a lot, where yeah. like cornerback, offensive line, nice. like if you don't hear those guys' names said, it's a good thing. And I said this last week: if Adrian Hauser gives you six innings and gives you you know gives up three runs. It's not Cy Young level stuff, but from your fifth starter, he will take that every single time. But you have a start where he gives up five or six runs, and everybody's like, oh my God, this guy sucks. This guy sucks. Mm. You got to just kind of put that stuff into perspective once in a while that your fifth starter is not Corbin Burns. Nobody has a rotation like that. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> so we need to stop judging it like that. You need to compare him to other other fifth starters in Major League Baseball instead of comparing him to your number one guy and saying, why aren't we getting this from him when we're getting it from him? Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to judge Adrian Helzer with Corbin Burns' standards. It doesn't make sense. No. So yeah. stop doing it with Colin Ray. Stop doing it with Julio Tehran. And I get that Julio Tehran was good. His first five starts of the Brewers, his last couple were a little more rough, but We'll, we'll get to it. So, starting with game two of the Braves, that is Julio Tehran's start. He did say that he thought he might have been tipping pitches. Oh, wow. So, the Braves started this game really fast by scoring six runs in the first inning. Um, that is something that Julio Tehran, if he figured out why he gave up six runs in the first inning and can correct it and have a great outing his next time, then I'm willing to just sweep this game under the rug. Yeah. Adding the fact that it was against the Braves. Um, what's up, Tim? And, you know, the fact that Julio Tehran, like, it sounds weird, but I'm still going to say thank you to him. Because he too. ate five innings. Yeah. He gave up six runs. But if you take out Tehran in that first inning and you have to go eight innings with your bullpen, like, your bullpen's fucked for, like, the next three or four days. Yeah, which obviously is not the situation that you want to be in, right? Exactly. So I am glad that Tehran ate five innings uh, and didn't have to force Greg Council to decimate the bullpen. Um, Santana made his debut in this game. He went 0 for 3 with a walk. Sal was 0 for 3 in this game, but to this point had scored or driven in a run in every game he had played so far. Um, (laughs) Sal Freelich. 24 plate appearances, three strikeouts. He doesn't strike out much. He's got a um, great feel at the plate. Yeah. 
Brett said Tehran stopped the bleeding for us when he came over, and that's totally true. He's already given us more than we could have asked him. Yeah. Uh, William Contreras, another two-hit game. That was his 12th of July. Um, the Brewers, thanks to three home runs by Willard, uh, three run home run by William Contreras put up four runs in the eighth inning, which is still a positive takeaway from this one. Um, this game followed Julio Tehran went to the injured list. Peter Struzlecki was called back up and then traded. And then um, shout out Sal Freelich for also throwing out Ronald Acuna at third base. Oh yeah. That was those a great were, throw. Yeah. Those were my main takeaways. I wasn't able to watch this game alive. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, so I was hanging out with my family. I watched the first inning, and we gave up six runs, and I was like, yep, I'm watching that later. <laughs> I'm not having my entire night ruined and taking up three hours of my day to watch us get our ass kicked. Um, I did end up watching the game later. Uh, Trevor McGill, uh, he he was up. He's up again. Um, I think he was sent back down already, wasn't he? Uh, yes, he was. Trevor McGill is already sent back down. That guy, that guy has got a one-way ticket from the Brewers back to Nashville. With as many times he's been up and down with us, um, twenty pitch for him as well. He gave up two earned runs. Uh, Abner Uribe has been surprisingly good for a twenty-three-year-old kid who has zero experience. But the kid is just a freaking flamethrower, and that slider is something that could really develop into, you know, a dangerous, dangerous pitch. Uh-huh. Uh, couple that with his fastball. I mean, that could be a dangerous combo. If he ever gets a third pit, like if he gets like a changeup or, or, or like, yeah, like a cutter, like it night, night, <laughs> it's yeah. done. Cause he's going to be a stud. Yep. Contreras hit a home run late in this game as well. I don't know if you covered that, but yep. um, yeah. Weimer with another RBI. Like you said, Frederick with another RBI. I'm going to say this about Julio Tehran. That is a tough situation to be in. Mm-hmm. emotionally um he faced his former team for the first time in milwaukee uh just just about a week ago and he had a really really good outing and then he goes to the place where he pitched the last game in the stadium with them he opened this new stadium for them it was an all-star there twice i mean this guy grew up with this team mm-hmm. so the emotions are running high and then you got the freaking monsters lining up against you so i mean <laughs> What what are you gonna do? That's a tough situation to be in. I actually feel for Julio Tehran and all the goddamn spoiled brat Brewers fans. Like this is pretty sad. But it when I saw the comments after this game, it made me think of this. Mm-hmm. I used to have a gym teacher when I was like fourth grade, and there was a little girl getting picked on. And I remember, I'm not gonna name You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. because like you might know these people there was a little girl being picked on and all my gym teacher said to the little boy i was picking on her is if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all pretty sad i have to pull a line for me in fourth grade to talk about adults yeah and you know when when eventually we get an opportunity to have some some pretty cool people on here i'm, I'm definitely going to ask my question about social media um and and how they deal with it because, you know, there's people that talk bad about them as well. Mm-hmm. But I just am so – I'm just so sick and tired of people just talking shit. And Julio Tehran has been absolutely phenomenal this year. He's given up some big innings. But what goddamn Brewers pitcher, Corbin Burns included, has not given up a big inning this year? Mm-hmm. That's kind of been the backbreaker for us in a lot of games is they can go five, six innings, and then they get to they, they go a little bit too far, and then – you know, the second, third time through the lineup, the hitters catch on. These are professionals. Uh-huh. People aren't understanding that. But, you know, other than that, I mean, Contreras literally owned his old team. He he might have made them regret a little bit, although they do have a Sean Murphy, who was uh-huh. one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. He doesn't rank as good as Contreras, in my opinion, but Contreras is a better contact guy. Right. I don't know about the power. Murphy's but, got more power, yeah. But, you know, other than that, I mean, Contreras is – and he's still young too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they can't really complain. They got team control. Julio Tehran, dude, everybody just shut up about that guy. That guy's giving us his heart. Like I said, I mentioned this. Like, he's already given us more than we could have expected from him. I agree. Um, Brett said two things. Said that he has the MLB package for years, doesn't get to see Reds, Braves, Nationals, Pirates games, pisses me off. Dude, when it comes to stuff like that, if you're paying for that, you should get all of the games, whether it's in market or not. I don't. I agree. That's so stupid. Like, um, dude, you're you're paying like a hundred some dollars. Why yeah. can't I watch any game I want? Yeah, yeah, that's stupid. I agree with um, that. Brett said he asked the question: How many rookies do we have playing significant slash starting time? Uh, I included Abraham Toro, and I went through and I looked while Jake was talking. Um, eight. Eight rookies playing, starting, or playing significant time. That's that's a lot, actually. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it would be nine if you included Garrett Mitchell, who's hurt. That sucks. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll be doing baseball activity soon, and he'll have a chance to come back. That'd be nice. Okay, third game of the series. What stood out to you from that? Uh, as my father-in-law calls him, Jimmy Johnson was on the mound. I'll never, I can't get over that dude. I don't know why. He loved Jimmy Johnson, so every time he sees Colin Ray and he sees a forty-eight, he's like, Jimmy Johnson's on the mound. 
Colin Ray was solid. I know he gave up five earned runs, but against the Braves, five earned runs is like basically average, average right? That's the median. <laughs> Hope Milner gave up a run in one inning. Paguero, he would he gave up some loud contacts and he had one walk, but zero earned runs. And for the first time in months, I forgot to go back and look at his uh his last time he gave up a run. I don't know if you have it, but I'll find it while you're talking. I do have uh, it. You have you have the last time he gave up a run? Uh, yep, I, I have you, it. I knew you would, buddy. <laughs> He's my guy. He's my guy. Yeah. I will I will go I will get into a fist fight for this guy. So, you know, to, to end this one real quick, Yelly with another home run. He's up to 16 now. The power definitely looks back. And he hits the, when when he hits a lot of opposite field home runs and when Yelly hits opposite field, that's when you know he's he's being the Yelly that we love, right? And Santana hit his first he got his first hit as a brewer, yep. also his first home run. Uh, this is where I was talking about him kind of being goofy, dancing in the dugout. That's mm-hmm. that's something this team definitely needs right now for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, the sure. veteran, the veteran presence alone, going through a tough time with with a Santana is absolutely necessary at, at this moment in time. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So Christian Yelich let off the game with a walk, got to third on a William Contreras single, and then two pop ups. Uh, Christian Yelich broke home on a wild pitch. William Contreras got to second on the throw. The Brewers were up one nothing. Uh, that's Christian Yelich being fast and aware and scoring on a wild pitch. And he ripped so, his pants. He did rip his pants. That's true. I'm <laughs> glad that that's what stood out to you about that. I don't know why it did, but it did. <laughs> uh, bottom of the first inning, Austin Riley hit another home run. Uh, not a bad pitch. Not a bad pitch that he hit a home run off of. It's just some guys, when they're hot, they're hot. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett said Paguero and Piamps at the beginning of the year. Who would have thunk it? Um, add in Devin Williams, and that is the law firm of Paguero, Piamps, and Williams. One call, that's all, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to give Colin Ray credit because he gave up that two-run home run that gave the Braves a lead, two to one. Followed that up by striking out Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. Yeah. That's that's some big boy pants stuff by Colin Ray. Oh, so yeah. credit to him for that. Bottom of the second, struck out Ozuna and Rosario, and then um, Christian Yelich made a nice catch on the warning track for the third out. Colin Ray gave up a home run and proceeded to strike out the next four batters straight. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, say what you will about giving up five earned runs, but if you look outside the box score, he he responded well to it. Uh, top of the third inning, that's where Christian Yelich hit that leadoff home run that Jake mentioned, tied the game to the opposite field. Santana hit his first home run down the right field line, gave the Brewers a lead. Bottom of the third, Braves did not let the Brewers keep it for long. No. Uh, Olsen hit a single. Uh, Acuna drew a walk. Um, a barely just missed walk to Austin Riley. And then he hits a home run with two outs. It's tough because if he had been called on strikes, that inning might not have happened, and the Brewers might have still had a 3-2 lead at that point. Yeah. Bottom of the fourth, um, the Brewers got a nice 3-6-1 double play to end the inning. Top of the fifth, Santana got on for the second time in the game. Bottom of the fifth, Carlos Santana throwing some glove, and he was almost my underrated performer because of his defense, despite having an error today, which we'll talk about. Uh, He does not look 37-year-old. Not on defense. 
Not on defense, dude. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to Santana's defense. But top of the six, Andre Monasterio let off with a single. Toro grounded into a fielder's choice. Bryce Terang hit a single. Blake Perkins drew a walk. Bases loaded for Christian Yelich had an RBI ground out. And then William Contreras, like you said, against his former team, succeeding with two outs. It's a double to the right center gap. Terang and Perkins scored uh, 6-5 Brewers. Bottom of six, Hobie Miller comes in, gets the first two outs, and then gives up another solo shot to Marcelo Zuna to tie the game. That was his fourth home run in the series. Uh, only Hobie Miller's second appearance allowing an earned run all year. So yeah. Hobie Miller has been very, very reliable. For yes, he has. Um, Brett said, not sure. I thought the radio guys on Bally said the Braves' first four or five hitters have more home runs than our whole team. That's probably true. Can't argue with that type of production. And that goes to, you know, some of our power hitters being injured. Yeah, that's true. And underperforming. That's, yeah. um, and I don't think the Braves will repeat this performance. They could, but, I mean, the Braves are really hitting, literally hitting, pun intended, on all cylinders. They are. Okay. Bottom of seven, uh, Blake Perkins threw Arcia at third base for the first out. Uh, good throw by Blake Perkins. He does play good defense. Um, and then uh, Cunha ground into a double play to end in the seventh. Bottom of the eighth, LB set a leadoff double off of Joel Piams. Follows with a strikeout of Riley and Olsen. And then gave up a two-run home run. Uh, that was his first earned run in his last 18 appearances. Going back to June 8th. Yep. Yoel Pimes went almost two full months without giving up a single run. At one point, he had retired 21 straight batters. That is insane. That is insane. 21 straight batters. That's that's nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking essentially no-hitter, perfect game watch territory if he was a starter doing that. Um, Brett said, Rowdy and Adamas not powering like before. That's That's exactly it. And then missing time obviously hurts as well. So, overall, the Brewers did score 18 runs in this series. Contreras had two hits in all three games. Playing anybody but the Braves and the Brewers probably take two out of three, if not sweep whoever they're going against. Hmm. I mean, that's fair. All right, switch to the National Series. It's still tough just because of the way these games happened, but... Shit happens. So, start with the Nationals game from Monday. What's it up to you from game one? Well, we just, you know, we're beating a dead horse, but we kind of failed to get the big hit, and that's kind of a trend that's going to continue throughout this series. Um, I don't know what the hell is the problem with the Brewers, but they are definitely one of the – you could tell they're young because they're definitely the, one of those teams that plays up the competition and down the competition. And that is, that is a straight up fact over the last two years. Um, I'll have to go back and look at the numbers. I used, I was writing them down midway through the year, but the record verse under 500 teams. Um, I'm going to have to go back to that. And I'll bring it back next Wednesday. I'll write that down real quick. I'll see um, what I can do. Record verse under 500. So the thing is, they just struggle to get to get the big hit, and you know that happens sometimes. Um, Contreras with a two out RBI in this one, Monasterio with another RBI, and Joey Weimer just another great at bat, and he powers a home run to to right center field. 
And at that point, the Brewers had a 3-2 lead, and we're thinking, like, all right, it's time. Uh, it's it's time. And Paguero comes in and gives up three earned runs. Crazy that he's human and he makes mistakes. Dude's literally a rookie. I'll say it again. He's a rookie. The thing about the Brewers uh, pitching, um, on top of the numbers, which we can dive deep into any number that you want, and it's impressive, mm-hmm. is – the fact that they're always in high leverage situations and they, they seem to always succeed. The margin for error is usually pretty small for these pitchers and they understand that, but you know, that that's a little exciting for them. Um, I would love for Paguero to be used in a game that's, you know, eight to two and he can kind of relax a little bit and just make some people look silly. Let it fly. Yeah. I think that would be fun too, but um, that's just not the case for us this year. And maybe it will be later on who knows, but as for this moment, all the shitheads are all right now. And pun intended because they have a leader and his name is Schmidt. Yeah, I'm going to – I don't care. I hate that guy. Um, no, he can't see our stuff, but he's blocked from all of our stuff, so not a big deal. <laughs> um, and Bryce Wilson was pretty good in this one. One inning pitch, zero hits, uh, one walk, zero earned runs, and one K. But, I mean, Joey Weimer putting some bats together, that's that's a positive that you could take away from this if you absolutely decide to not only see that we lost. If you watch the game and you and you take things down and you break them down, Joey Weimer has been putting together really good at-bats, and he had a really good professional home run. So take that for what you will. It's a loss. It was a shitty loss. It sucked. But you know what the best part about baseball is? To play again tomorrow. You play again tomorrow. And that's what I'm ready to do after you are done with your breakdown. Okay. So, Christian Yelich hit, led off the game with a single, then went one, two, three. Burns got a one, two, three, 11 pitch inning in the bottom of the first. Bottom of the second, one of my trade targets, Joey Manesis, has a leadoff home run on a pretty good pitch by Burns on the inside corner. Burns followed that up by going one, two, three after that. Uh, top of the third, Christian Yelich had a 2 0 double. Um, William Contreras still hot. He hits another double ties the game at one. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the third, Nationals got two on, but Corbin Burns gets two strikeouts to get out of it. Bottom of the fourth, two leadoff runners by a double and a walk by the Nationals. Corbin Burns gets a ground out and two more strikeouts. Top of the fifth, Victor Caratini led off with a walk. Christian Yelich had a two-out single. That was his third hit of the game already. Um, they were stranded. Bottom of the fifth, a leadoff reach on error. Um, was wiped out by Victor Caratini after a challenge, um, followed by a walk, a steal of second, and then Brewer killer Lane Thomas hits a single that made it two to one. Um, yeah. Top of the sixth, Sal Frelick had a one on walk. Willie Adamas and Andre Monasterio hit singles to tie the game at two, and then Victor Caratini grounded into a double play to end that inning. Um, Brett said, I love the crew so much. I actually watched the condensed games after being blacked out, win or lose. It's nice to be retired. It would be nice. Jake and I, we really, really are hoping that we can make this like our our full time. This can be our career is is that this show can be our everyday thing. And we'll have time to to break things down even further and get even more in depth and do more content. That's not necessarily retired, but that's where we'd feel we're we're not working. Yeah, we kind of feel retired because we're doing what we love, right? And I exactly. think that's kind of what Brett is pointing to, where he gets to kind of do whatever he wants to do every single day. And exactly. that's what our goal is. And Brett, all I'm going to say to you is you must have a lot of military friends that you know. You just go ahead and invite them all. Help us, help us out. Give us a little <laughs> push. I'm not asking for much, man. <laughs> 
Brent yeah, says, man. gig and get paid to do it. That's that's absolutely our our future goals for the show. My girlfriend told me that once I get paid, once I make enough money per year as I do at my job, then I can then I can quit my job and do this. So that's, that that's that's I have the number in my head right now. I have the number in my head that I make. That's my average over the last five years. And like I told her, I said once I hit that, you said this, and I'm I'm done. <laughs> then it's just Wisco every single day, every single yeah. minute, which is all that runs through my damn head, anyways. I've, I I hear you on that. Trust me, uh, Brent said I have a ton. None are crew fans. Hey, if they're Badgers, Brewers, Bucks fans, uh, yeah, man, and we, we cover them all. That's why that's why we think we're unique. Is we cover every single one of them. You you have to know more Packers fans. There, there's no absolutely no way that you don't know any Packers fans. <laughs> um, I mean, right now. Brewers fans, I get that they're the hot hot topic, but there's a lot of Badgers fans. Nope, I am in deep south. Nah, I don't believe that. There's Packers fans worldwide, man. For we sure. literally have bars in other countries. <laughs> Bummer. All right, so top of the seventh, like you said, Joey Weimer destroyed a baseball. Uh, 409 feet, 108.5 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah. Just great bat speed by Joey Weimer. Something that we've seen plenty of. Um, just seeing him slow down the bat is going to be the next level for him. His brain is ahead of his bat sometimes, in my opinion. That's fair. Uh, bottom of the seventh, a double, a walk, and a one-out single by Lane Thomas. Brewer killer again ties the game against Paguero. Got a ground out that advanced the runners. And then Joey Manesis, one of my trade targets, uh, had a single that made it 5-3. to three. Hobie Miller got the third out of the inning. Elvis Paguero is both human and a rookie. I don't know if you heard, but it's just bad timing that he's coming back to earth um, during a losing streak for the Brewers. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. And then the fact that Kyle Finnegan, another one of my trade targets, got the save. It was just like, mm, that sucks. But Corbin Burns pitched six innings, gave up four hits, did have three walks. That, to me, is what separated his appearance from this game from the rest of his starts in July. Um, but Corbin Burns in the month of July, and I have the stats here because I got a little bit of, little bit of silver lining good news to go with today's show. Um, Corbin Burns in the month of July, 39 innings pitched, six quality starts, 47 strikeouts, only 13 walks, 115 batting average against a 720 whip and a 185 ERA. Corbin Burns, NL Pitcher of the Month. Yeah, didn't he lead the NL in innings pitch? Uh, would not surprise me at all. I'm pretty sure I heard that too. But yeah, that's he had a tremendous month. He was he was Cy Burns. And then relievers of the month, Devin Williams for the oh, NL. Wow. 10 saves, 154 ERA, 11.2 innings pitch, 21 strikeouts, 171 batting average against, and a .94 whip. Love it. Yeah. Mm, but Devin Williams blew a save today. Mm. I don't even Whatever. think it was on him, but we'll get into that. In a I second. don't either. And that's, we'll, like you said, we'll talk about it. But game two, last night's game, um, Brett asked how long will we be able to afford Burns. Uh, it's going to be a balancing act of – cost per year and number of years. That's going to be the tough thing. Um, We really don't have a large sample size on Matt Arnold um, making deals. So we, I don't really know how to gauge how he's going to approach it, Um, which I know is, it might seem like a cop out to not be able to give an answer. 
I just I don't have really any evidence to to base a a guess on with with Corbin Burns. Um, he can make a lot of headway by signing him to an extension. I'll tell you that. Right. So I mean, like I can make a guess, but I, I really don't have anything to to base it on. It would be just strictly guessing. Yeah, that's the, the tough thing is, you know, the thing that happened in the offseason, obviously, with arbitration, Corbin Burns has a number in his head, and every great athlete does, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Matt Arnold's job to kind of figure figure that out and see how that works with the books. Mm-hmm. And Anasio might have to open the book a little bit, not oh, the wallet, I should say. Might have to open the wallet a little bit because Corbin Burns is 100% worth it, in my opinion. Um, we can have this discussion in the winter, yeah, but I think Corbin Burns is in this era for sure, but he's probably one of the best pitchers in franchise history. I would agree with that. If you if you consider stuff and stats, 100%. The number that's coming to the top of my head is top three. I'm not mad at it off the top of my head either. I'm not mad at it. All right. We, like I said, we can have that discussion this winter when we're a little more prepared for it. But um, exactly. dude, want to Cy Young, which is 100 percent true. Uh, if we don't make the playoffs, I worry he might move. He's got one more year of, of arbitration, so he's still under team control for next season. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not really up to him. But but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So last night's game. What stood out to you from it? <sighs> Last night's game. Well, first thing that stood out to me was every single RBI we got was with two outs. Yep. So, Absolutely. awesome job. Uh, the first one that got one of those two-out RBIs was Andrew Monasterio. Mm-hmm. Hot topic today. Um, he's been pretty damn good. Uh, on top of that, and uh, we had a four-run fourth inning with the rookies. Shocker. More rookies. Terang and Weimer. Rookie week. Um, I'm going to wait till you do your breakdown and then we're both going to talk about that tremendous at bat from Joey Weimer, but I do want to give credit to, to Terang as well. Terang has been putting mm-hmm. together some great at bats as well. Um, 100%. the last one to get a, a two out RBI was William Contreras cause he just rakes. He's <laughs> gotta be him. He's on fire. Him <laughs> or yellow. He's diving in runs. You can guess that William Contreras probably drove into him. Exactly. Um, Peralta from last night, six innings pitch, six hits, two walks, three earned runs, and seven Ks. So, I mean, that's a pretty average start from, yep. from Freddie Peralta. Uh, Juan Uribe, one inning pitch, one hit, one earned run, and one strikeout. Then we get to Piamps and Williams, and they were absolutely locked down last night. They were as advertised. Uh, both one inning pitch, zero hits, zero walks, zero earned runs, one K for each of them. The K for Williams was the last out of the game, so I always love when that happens. That's mm-hmm. tremendous stuff. That that's the best way to end a baseball game. It feels good for for a fan of your team. Like strike three, like yeah, go sit down. Because then the pitcher and the catcher get that moment of like on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. That's just always something that I, that I love. So I'm gonna let you do your breakdown when we get to Joey Weimer, though. We're gonna talk about that. Um, Brett said there's tons of teams that would take that start. 100. percent That's why he was an All Star. Yep. Not this season, but he has been an all-star. Yep. Uh, both teams went one, two, three in the first inning. Willie Adonis led off the second inning with a double. Andre Monasterio followed out with a two-old single. Like you said, drove in the first run. Pot in the second inning, a weird spin, soft leadoff single that bounced off third base. <laughs> it yeah. is what it is. Uh, Freddie Peralta got a fly out, a strikeout. 
And then two more soft singles tied the game at one. Really just unfortunate contact. Not anything that Freddie Peralta didn't do. You know, he didn't miss a spot that gave up, you know, a home run or anything like that. Um, But followed that up with a stolen base, another walk, a single, and the Nationals were up three to nothing. All three runs scored with two outs. So, ouch. Yeah, all the runs coming with two outs. Um, All of them. (laughs) All of them, yeah. Bottom of the third, the Nationals had two more two-out singles, didn't get any runs out of it, which is good. Uh, Freelix showing off the arm from right field. 93 miles an hour on the putout at home. 93-mile-an-hour throw. That was a dot. Yeah. And, I and you know, it's cool if you hit a guy on the on the fly, but I actually think it takes, like, a, a fair amount of skill to one-hop a ball to a defender be, or – because it takes just a little bit off mm-hmm. and it makes it easier to to field the ball and then make your tag at the same time. So I do actually think there's a little bit of an art in, in making a one-hop throw. Um, Brett asked, do you guys think the guys are getting tired, hence the seeming uptake in errors? Um, it's the dog days of summer. I mean, uh, Jake likes to say that a lot. It's... It uh, and Andre Monasterio being a rookie forced into a role. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Santana when we get into today's game, but uh, I'm going to finish up last night's game. Top of the fourth, Willie Adamas drew a one-all walk. Sal Frelick makes it back-to-back walks. Um, we talked about Bryce Durang and Joey Weimer's at-bats. Sal Frelick, a nine-pitch at-bat to draw a walk. So good on him. He was down one-two, came all the way back to draw a walk. That's the kind of stuff they does all the time, so it's not shocking to me. <laughs> uh, Mark Canna grounded into a fielder's choice. Mm. Uh, Bruce had first and third with two out. Andre Monastero drew a walk to load the bases. Bryce Durang down 0-2 quickly. Works back to 2-2 and hits a single up the middle to tie the game at three. Stole second base. Joey Weimer also got down 1-2 or 1-2 in the count. Fold off some tough pitches. And then goes opposite field for a single. Joey Weimer, to see Joey Weimer pull his hands in, just flick the wrists with the bat, and and drop one in right over the second baseman's head into right field, that is that is a, a glimpse into the next level for Joey Weimer. Yep. Like, if I'm either of the hitting coaches, I'm showing Joey Weimer that highlight over and over again and be like, look what you did. That was awesome. Do that again. Yes. yes. So – let me go real quick. Mm-hmm. First of all, love that me and you were on the same page about the Bryce Terang thing. I texted you the same thing that you tweeted out for the page mm-hmm. uh, because we were on the same wavelength right there. Second of all, Joey Weimer followed off four two-strike pitches before he got that hit. And the thing, the thing about this is I was just talking to my baseball guy at work, and I was like, the thing that pisses me off about Joey Weimer is he never shortens his swing with two strikes, just to freaking poke one out there. And then – Lo and behold, he makes me look like a moron, <laughs> and he shortens his swing, and he gets a big-time knock. But I will gladly be wrong if it involves young players growing in front in front of us, and that is something that you love to see. He he absolutely shortened the swing. He was just like, I'm just swinging for contact. Because, you know, you see him go up there, and, and I shit you not, you, you could call the first two pitches of his at-bat. He's the first pitch. He's going to swing like hell. 
He's going to fall out of his jersey. If if he had fake hair, he'd fall out of his hairpiece. Like, he's going to swing like hell. Second pitch, he's going to lean into that son of a bitch like it's a ball. And every once in a while, it's a strike on the inside. That is the first two pitches of every Joey Weimer at bat. So for him to change up his approach in the middle of that at bat, fall off some tough pitches and shorten it up, I mean, golf clap, baby. Yeah. Tremendous. Rookie week. Yes, sir. <laughs> so the two RBIs he got there, fantastic at bat. Uh, bottom of the fourth, Carlos Santana made a great diving play in the first base, yes, second base hole. Uh, yes. Did not look 37. Uh, followed with a deep flyout, then a strikeout. Only eight pitches in the bottom of the fourth for Freddie Peralta. Protected the lead for the first time since the Brewers were taking leads on this road trip. Protected the lead in the bottom of the inning where they took it. Fifth inning, Brewers one, two, three. Nationals went strikeout, double, strikeout, flyout. Getting into the sixth inning, uh, bottom of the sixth. Freddie Peralta, fastball still moving. Like, not only just staying up there with the velocity in the 96 range, but he threw a fastball that looked like Corbin Burns' cutter, but it's two to three miles an hour faster. <laughs> That's not fair. Freddie fastball is still dealing in the sixth inning. So it's good by him where, you know, we might not see Freddie Peralta go seven, eight innings, but if he goes six innings strong from our number three pitcher, I am super happy with that. And he's going to probably strike out seven people. So True, at least. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Uh, follow that up with a pop-out and a ground-out. I literally wrote in my notes, six strong from Freddie Peralta. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the seventh, Bryce Terang led off with a single. Christian Yelich, uh, fielder's choice, moved him to second base. And then William Contreras had a double. Uh, his fifth straight game with a double. William Contreras literally doubled in five straight games. In the month of July, you you ready for William Contreras' July stats? Oh, they're gross. 365 batting average, 392 on base percentage, 563 slugging, 955 OPS. So gross. So gross. <laughs> made the game 6-3, to three, bottom of seventh. Self Freelick made a great effort, covered a ton of ground into the right field corner. Actually overran the ball by a step. Uh, Bryce Durang, good job by him running out to get the ball uh, when Freely crashed into the wall. Turned into a leadoff triple. Scored on a ground out. Not a huge thing that I'm worried about with Abner Uribe. Um, and then top of the eighth, a couple loud outs by Sal Freely and Andrew Monasterio. Bottom of the eighth, Yoel Piamps starts the inning off with a three-pitch strikeout of Lane Thomas, Brewer killer Lane Thomas. The flyout and a ground out only needed seven pitches to get through the eighth inning. Love it. And then the ninth inning, Devin Williams, he only needed 15 pitches to get a ground out, a pop out, and a strikeout. Yep. All right. On to today's game. Let's talk about it, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, So moving to today's game, what's up to you? Well, it was nice to have Wade Miley back. I'll say that. Um, He only went four innings, but three hits, two walks, one earned run, and five Ks. 
Uh, first inning, he started really fast. He only had, I think it was nine pitches, eight, nine pitches uh, to get through the inning. So that was nice to see. I like that he's such a change of pace guy, and he's he's more of a control pitcher. Obviously, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. So right. you come off of Will, uh, ooh, I almost said it. I call myself a Freddie Peralta, and that guy's throwing gas at 98 miles per hour with a fastball that just makes you look like, what oh, did he throw the fastball again? And you're swinging and missing at it, and then you got Miley just paint the corners i mean and he's a left-handed pitcher so that's just a complete change of pace mm-hmm. and then you get hobie milner in there hobie pitch good wilson puguero piamps those guys were all locked down today uh brewer uh tyrone taylor uh to your credit again he had another big time home run the brewers were getting hard contact early in this game but literally right at people and then can i just I give like, you real quick the first inning yeah your point of hard contact right at people this is three lineouts, 98 miles an hour, 104 miles an hour, 89 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, so they, they were hitting them right at people. So, yeah. I mean, it sucks. And I was like, okay. You know, I took away from that. I was like, we're seeing the ball. We're hitting the ball hard. Wade Miley's working fast. Um, if Wade can have another quick inning real quick here, we can get back up there and we can make this guy sweat this out a little bit. Let's put some put some runs on the board. Yeah. Um, obviously not what happened, but hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You know, we took the lead with uh, Yelich's 26th double of the year in the sixth inning, I believe it was. Um, I was at work at this time uh, with 60 RBIs now for Yelly. We had a 2-1 the lead. And then we get to the ninth inning. Um, I'm going to wait for the ninth inning until you get there with your your breakdown, and then we will break it down together. So why don't you go into your breakdown, and then we'll talk about what happened in the ninth. So – I'm just going to skip ahead to the second inning because we've already mentioned the first. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, two-out solo shot. Bottom of the second, top of the third, quiet. Bottom of the third, double, single, ties the game at one, followed by a double play and a strikeout. Good job at Wade Miley. Um, Brewers at one, two, three in the fourth. And then bottom of the fourth, Wade Miley goes strikeout, single, strikeout, walk, walk, strikeout. 29 pitches. So Wade Miley pitched 60 pitches, which I'm sure was the intended amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it took 29 to get through that fourth inning, which was tough. Now, Wade Miley was activated today, and Owen Miller was sent down. First of all, Owen Miller was sent down because they have Carlos Santana to play first base, and Andre mm-hmm. Monasterio is hitting better than him recently. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw this a whole bunch about people complaining about the front office, Craig Council, whatever, that Owen Miller was sent down today as, quote-unquote, one of our best hitters, which, over the course of the season, yes. But Owen Miller's statistics are carried by a super, super amazing month of May. If you look at July, which is still a pretty solid sample size, an entire month, Mm -hmm. uh, Owen Miller batted 178 in the month of July. Bro, what? 178 in July. Oh, my. So it's understandable why Owen Miller was sent down, where you look at it and you're like, oh, he's batting, what, 268 on the season, like our fourth best hitter overall. Struggled pretty pretty heavily in May. Or sorry, in July. He was great in May. Struggled in July. Yikes. So in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation, mm. over the last month, Owen Miller hasn't been great. No. So bottom of the fifth, 
Hobie Miller comes in, gets the first two outs against a bunch of lefties, and then Bryce Wilson comes in. Uh, he also pitched the sixth inning. But top of the sixth, Bryce Durang drew a walk, got to second on a wild pitch. Joey Weimer hit a single. Christian Yelich hit a double, made the game 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Um, Brewers had second and third with zero out and went three straight swinging strikeouts. Fucking ouch. Um, it sucks. It's a tough position to be in, and I'm going to talk about this after the game. But um, I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Mackenzie Gore. Uh, dude's, dude's a baller. I remember him pitching against the Brewers when he was with San Diego last year. He was part of the Juan Soto trade. Um, he's going to be good, bro. He's going to be good. I agree. He has good stuff. He's Yeah, he's going to be good. So, Bryce Wilson pitched a scoreless sixth. Top of the seventh, it was good to see Sal Freelich batting after crashing into the wall last night. Yep. Um, Elvis Paguero bounced back well with a quick one, two, three, seventh inning. Um, Bryce Turan got on the second time with a leadoff single in the top of the eighth. And then Piamps super quick bottom of the eighth, only 11 pitches to get through the eighth. And then you mentioned Devin Williams in the ninth. Got two super quick strikes on the first batter, Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Two just disgusting change-ups. Yep. And the dude hits a hot grounder, gets past Santana. Honestly, it wouldn't have surprised me if they marked it as a hit, but because it was so right at him, it was ruled as an error. But it was a hard-hit ball. Um, followed with a, a stupid check swing that, of course, just happens to fall into left field. Yep. Uh, it's one of those things where it's baseball. Like, it's a 162-game season. Basically, everything that can happen will happen. It's it's dumb luck, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, and then followed by a walk, loaded the bases. Devin William got the ground ball he needed, but Andrew Monasterio unfortunately made an error. His fourth error in 40 games, so he's been pretty damn reliable. Mm-hmm. Just, just at a bad time. I mean, never. Mm-hmm. I don't know there's ever going to be a good time for it, but in a situation where the Brewers were one in four in their last five games and are now one in five in their last five games, it's just tough to lose a game that way. Yeah, could have could have taken the series. Uh, would have been feeling good going into a home series against some right. some opponents, kind of limping to the to the finish line here. So the two things that I want to talk about before we're done for the day, and I want to talk about these at the end of the show because I want to relate them to life because I think it's important. So the first one is talking about losing winnable games. So right after this game was over, I asked Vinny Rotino. I said, would love your input because fans are going to be relentlessly negative about today's game. How do you deal with losing winnable games? Mm-hmm. Vinny Rotino responded with, tough loss, regroup, play better, and need to score more runs. Um, he said, a chance to regroup from a heartbreaker loss uh, can learn how to get out of a funk as a team. That was, that's an angle that I hadn't considered that going through tough losses gives you a chance to, to learn from it as a team and apply it to not deal with similar situations. No, I love it. He's kind of taking the approach of 
Okay, so I say this about young teams all the time. So this is why I said what I said about, you know, going to football, talking about the Detroit Lions last year. Is mm-hmm. Young teams, and we have a lot of rookies, right? Tyler broke it down. We have eight rookies playing significant time, right? Yeah. The thing about young teams is they have to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that with the Cincinnati Reds this year. The Cincinnati Reds are oozing mm-hmm. with talent and, and all over this goddamn baseball field. They have to learn how to win. And the Milwaukee Brewers, yes, we have some veterans in some key spots like a Corbin Burns and a Contreras and a Yelich. But, and obviously those guys are producing, right? Well, one guy just won NL Pitcher of the Month. Contreras had like 10 doubles out of 35 hits in, in, the, in the month of July. So almost over a fourth of his fucking hits were doubles, dude. That's stupid. And then obviously Christian Yelich is back to me and Christian Yelich, right? Right. Christian. Did I say it correctly? Christian. Kind of. I was going to let it slide. <laughs> Christian Yelich is Christian Yelich, but we then you then you added all these young guys: a Joey Weimer, a Terang, a, a Sal Frelick, a Monasterio, and, and Monasterio, Blake, low, Perkins. Blake Perkins. I mean, Monasterio and and Blake Perkins. Talking about him, he got picked off a couple of days in a row, mm-hmm. and people were ready to be like DFM. Like, dude, let them. You have to give guys learn. time to grow. Let let them learn a little bit, you know. And the thing about Monasterio is he looked like a looked like a rookie today, and that's okay. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that that jump, it, it's like it's like when you when you go from middle school to high school football, right? Like it's it's an insane jump in speed. And then those guys that are like all state in high school, they go and they go on to D1, you know, they go to the Bamas, the Ohio States. That's a big jump in speed, right? And then there's always this stupid conversation of can this team play in the NFL against the worst team? Could they beat them? No, they could not. No. Because of that jump in speed, right? Nope. That these are professionals. They're called professionals. And these kids are learning on the fly. And I'm okay with it. Let mm-hmm. them make their mistakes. Let them be up there in uncomfortable situations. Because you want to know what? You want to apply this to life. And I think Luke Fickle does a great job of this. He says that change is necessary. And that is how you build young men into grown men. And change is absolutely necessary. It doesn't always have to be comfortable. But it is 100% necessary to become the person that you're supposed to be. I think he I think he says it like this. I think he says change is necessary. Suffering is optional. Yeah. You don't. And I saw somebody say this on Twitter right after the game. That it's like, this game made me mad. Maybe mad too. So what? I understand that. But you don't have to let it make you mad at everything. Sure, you can, game, you can be right? frustrated with the way that the Milwaukee Brewers lost today. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to, A, let it carry into your life, and B, you can use the, the thoughts that you are feeling from it and and learn from it. Like, that's really, like, what Jake and I want to do. So the second thing that I wanted to bring up was the offense. We know the offense is a problem. We have known that and accepted it. Yep. We know that the Brewers aren't going to win games by outscoring people. We know that the Brewers are going to win games by preventing other teams from scoring. That is how the Brewers win games. Now, when we take the optimistic, positive approach to baseball games, we are not saying that you have to be happy that the Brewers are losing games and their their offense is struggling. We are not saying that you need to be happy about the Brewers' offense struggling. 
We're not saying you need to be optimistic about the Brewers' offense struggling. However, it does not need to affect your future. Nor does the Brewers' offense struggling project to how the future is going to go. You can't say that just because the Brewers are 1-5 in in the last six games that they're only going to win 10 more games in the last 53. I mean, sure, you could say that, but you might end up looking like a jackass in the next week. There's <laughs> the the previous performance holds no bearing on the future. Like, sure, you can use past performance to project the future, but yeah. you cannot guarantee that the last six games are going to project how the next 60 go. Nope. So, yes, there is a possibility that the Brewers will struggle for the next two months. And miss the playoffs. It's certainly a possibility. It is. However, we are going to look at the ways that the Brewers can do things in August and September that put them into the playoffs. Because that's how, A, we would look at life. Because Jake and I aren't looking at it like, oh, like, you know, only 20 people watch this week's show. What if if only 10 people watch next week's show? And then we never get to do this for our full-time job. We're... We're looking at how can we grow this to make it so we can do this every day. Mm-hmm. We would encourage others to do the same instead of looking at it like, hey, you know, the last six things that I've wanted in my life, only one of them has worked out. Would Do you want to go through life thinking that only one out of the next six things in your life are going to go right every week? Who would want to live like that? So why treat your sports fandom like that? And then the thing is, is that people run to social media to do this bitching. So not only are you dragging down your own mindset, you're also doing it to other fucking people that do not deserve that bullshit. Other people don't deserve your shitty attitude on their social media feed because you want to complain about your team. Mm-hmm. And there is an appropriate way to do it if you are dead set on complaining. And it has to be constructive. That is the bottom line because it's so easy to just go say the offense sucks. Ooh, hot take. Great one. Nice work, Colin Coward. How about looking at things like seeing where they're struggling, what pitches they're struggling against, Mm -hmm. and then looking at the fact that the guys they brought in address those things. You don't think that, that that Matt Arnold is looking up niche metrics when it comes to things like batting with runners in scoring position, when training for Carlos Santana, and it took me five minutes to look it up on fan grabs. You don't think that he hasn't spent the last five days looking into that shit? <laughs> you, you, the fact that you're bringing up a, a niche metric shows that I'm right. No, it doesn't. You don't think that the front office is doing the due diligence on these things? They get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this every day. I was able to find this specific metric on the internet in five minutes. There, and and I know that I would like to say that I know more about baseball than the average fan because I spend a lot of time watching baseball, trying to learn more about baseball, and talking about baseball. Mm-hmm. My baseball knowledge does not compare to people who are in front offices of Major League Baseball teams. Bro. <laughs> You know, when we have conversations with, like, baseball guys, that's why I talk about my guy at work, right? Like, this guy literally lives and breathes baseball. Mm-hmm. 
like he knows all the prospects. Like he was naming like players off like freaking some double A team in freaking California. And I'm like, bro, I have no idea what you're saying right now. Like, I'm just gonna be honest with you. He's just like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, he's a good hitter and he's good against lefties and he you know, he has good exit velocity. And I'm like, you really love baseball, man. Like he lo- like those are guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to be GMs. Right. So fucking Toby who fucking delivers pizza or works in a goddamn cheese factory and has a goddamn opinion and decides to put it on fucking Twitter, thinks he knows more than Matt Arnold, who does this for a goddamn living. Please check your pride at the door. I literally believe that I'm one of the smartest sports people in my own life. I know I'm surrounded with people that know more than me in certain areas and people that know less than me in certain areas. But in no way, shape, or form do I think that I am smarter than Brian Gutekus or fucking Matt Arnold. I am not smarter than them. These guys literally live, shit, eat, breathe. They wear baseball all day. They wear football all day. That is all they do. I'll throw Craig Council into the same into the same. Seriously, realm. dude. The guy won two World Series. He's been a manager for nine years now. Yep. You think he knows a little bit about baseball? And the thing is, is it's 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 never both sides of the coin. It's complain about council when he makes a move that ends up, you know, what if you want to say quote unquote costing the game because he's relying on guys to perform where they've performed. But you also don't give him credit then when he masters, you know, like masterfully manages a baseball game. Yeah, Which tells me that you're out to just hate on Greg Council. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, Tim said Burns is pitching Saturday for Devin Williams Bobblehead. Yes, I'll be there. Have a good night. Have a good time on Saturday, Tim. Uh, Brett said yeah. they get paid more than us, and he said I hope y'all get paid too. We get we get paid a little bit. Not not enough to quit our full time jobs yet. But again, we're not smarter than Matt Arnold, and we're not here to say that we are. Absolutely, but, and I, and we don't go around in our daily lives saying that we're smarter than people either. I can promise you, I'm smarter than Toby, who works at the cheese factory, though. I can promise you that. I can I can promise you that you're smarter than somebody that likes to claim that he's the quote unquote king of trash talk. But that's neither here nor there. There's a reason he blocked me. Good. We don't have, we don't have to be friends. Yeah, because I'm much smarter than you. I'm sick and tired of huge, but you know, there's that. I'm, I'm like sick and tired of talking down to your level. So there's that. <laughs> All right. So we'll close the show out by saying if you like our show and our our style of analysis, there are two opportunities to come see us talk about football in August. Mm. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow, we are going to be with John Del Rey from the Barty Time Brews yep. uh, at Stadium View Bar and Grill after the Packers joint practice with the Patriots that day. Yep, yep. It's probably going to be around lunchtime. They haven't announced the practice times, but it's probably going to be something like 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And then after practice, we are going to Stadium View and we are doing a live show there to talk about some preseason stuff and some Green Bay Packers. Um, some Green Bay Packers discussion, doing it live. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be our first collaboration with Lombardi Time Brews. So it's going to be a good time. Dude, John is a tremendous human being, by the way. John is freaking awesome. Yes, he's a good dude. Um, Brett said you have to meet up with Matt Ramage. We've had him on the show twice. He is hilarious. Yeah, uh, he's, he a, he's a busy guy, man. That day. He's, he's a busy guy. Yeah. 
he's living the dream. He had a he had a head start on us, but his his content is hilarious and he's he's funny. One day I'm gonna be on the sideline. Well, hold on. I don't want to make it a personal thing. One day Tyler and I, Wisco Fanatics, is gonna be on the sideline of Lambo for for a game. One day Tyler and I are gonna be throwing out the first pitch at a Brewer game. That's a dream mm. of mine. Uh, one day we're gonna be hopefully not singing the national anthem, but maybe presenting the game ball at a Bucks game or something like that. So we would love to do all of those things. Um, He loves the stadium. We love the stadium too. I always tell uh, uh, my girlfriend wants to get married. This is a little personal, but my girlfriend wants to get married. She's like, I want to do a beach wedding. I'm like, listen, you want to get married? I don't want to get married, but if you want to get married in Lambo, we get married. That's my proposal. We get married (laughs) in Lambo. I'm a game. I am a hundred percent game, but she, that's how much I love Lambo. I say it's the most, beautiful place on earth they built up the title town i mean we're gonna be able to show it off in 2025 so i expect them to add more mm. on to it by that time so loving it all right and then the other opportunity is going to be the following week friday night august 25th we are going to be at isaac's sports bar and grill in new holstein we are going to be there with mike we are doing our badgers football primer for 2023 we're doing it live and in person this year i'm really excited it's our yeah, first that- time doing a primer live like we, yeah, we do primers for every season, but we gave Badgers football its own primer this year. Uh, we're, and, working uh, to, we're working to get some guest appearances during that show as well. Yes, that's gonna be that's gonna be a freaking fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna name names, but we're gonna be getting some guest appearances from some some big names. Guy that just started his own podcast. He's also yeah. hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> maybe a player or two coming on. Current player, by the way, mm-hmm. players. And uh, yeah, it's just gonna be a really really fun time. Uh, we're gonna be having some some food. You guys have some beer. You can have some laughs there. By the way, um, come join us. Uh, literally, just talk football. I am so excited that football is back tomorrow night officially. From tomorrow night until February, there's gonna be football all the freaking time. Love it. Cannot freaking wait. Uh, football. Love football. Love football so much. Oh my god, football is life. Fantasy football season right around the corner. By the way, we have a. We have a fantasy league we have to set up, so thank you yep. to anybody who's in that. Um, football, dude. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, and and we'll put out tons of reminders for the live shows in August. So come yeah. see us, and we will see you there. Yes, yeah, I will there. see you next week, buddy. Yeah, later, bud. Football. Football. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.